What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Ding dong. Oh, ding dong. Here we are. Another day, another dollar. <clears throat> another day, another dollar. Today, Jeremy and I won't be talking very much because... Book Russ, club, book club. Book I didn't club? read the book. It was too... Heavy. Much. <laughs> it was too heavy. I couldn't Lit. lift it. Yeah, it was so heavy. Um, weak wrists. So, so weak, but... So <clears throat> this is quite the thing. I've listened to this and oh my, I found Jeremy, it deeply I'm hilarious. Really? Uh, well, because you're trying, you're trying to recall recall what this book was about. I um, know it's pathetic, and there's deep admiration for the crafting of this book. Yeah, um, for sure. And it's an impressive feat, and took a long time. It's de- it is a you know, active devotion, for sure. Yeah, and I felt that when I lifted the book. <laughs> um, <clears throat> trying to remember now I'm trying to recall um, lots of lots of um, what lots of what Re- trying to recall trying to recall oh, what wrestle and I discuss yeah I mean I guess I'm I, I'm curious I feel like I didn't get like a big takeaway like did this book change your perception <clears throat> of Valentine in any way oh uh, certainly it 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 sort of filled in any kind of gaps and it, it, while there might be a lot of kind of, um, sorry, I'm trying to think of, sorry, my, as you know, I, I'm tired. Um, I feel like people sort of blindly revere Balanchine. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times even books, written about him or books where his presence is included, they don't include like any nuance about like where this person came from, why he is the way he is, um, kind of idiosyncrasies of his personality and the ways in which he was extremely flawed, like all people. And this Uh book really has it all and paints a really complex, nuanced, flawed, joyful, devastating picture of a man who who everybody feels like they want a piece of because they've so um, either enjoyed looking at or or loved being in the work that he's left behind. So Jennifer Hammonds does this crazy job of like getting it all in there so that you can really comprehensively understand how this all happened and the ways in which like this single life was not just a life of like great genius and productivity it was also like devastating and it also was um a bit you know at times nefarious and things so i'm it's it's very impressive this book and all this to say, extreme thanks to Andrea Salvatore for giving me a copy of the book via the Center for Ballet and the Arts. That book was instrumental in me looking at all the pictures because I did end up reading it on a Kindle because it was too heavy to lift. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I think 
for me, any time a biography is successful, it's giving a lot more than like the story of a person's life. And I think that, I mean, from the beginning that I read, it was certainly giving broad context for this, this single life that I think you see, I assume you see um, not just the, the story of Balanchine, but the story of that time period. Oh, and all completely. of the machinations of, of absolutely building these schools and institutions and whatever. Absolutely, and you get this sense. You get like a sense about the lead up to the Russian Revolution, and then the time both before and after that in Russia and Western Europe. And you then understand like why all these great artists, you know, came to the United States and what that meant for culture in the United States in general. So, yeah. This is not only the story of a person, but it is the story about, you know, the 20th century arts in general. Boom. 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 Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, no. Oh, also, I mean, part of the, part of what's complicated about these, about talking about anyone really is that artistically there's there's a dynamic where the artist is making the world but also the artist is made by the world so these kind of um in hindsight maybe like nightmarish attitudes or uh ways of going about things Mm -hmm. are are really like the the response to the culture of the time but they also reinforce that culture so that's always a hard thing to hold of kind of anyone's responsibility um to like kind of make change in their own scenario mm-hmm. versus kind of like going going along with um <coughs> but you know that's easier said uh sure, certainly about the past so um, very thoughtful, Jeremy. I feel like in those, you know, two minutes you just spoke regarding this book, you were probably more thoughtful than anything I said throughout this entire... No, no, no. Here. Now, now um, many thoughtful things are yet to be said. So stay tuned and enjoy uh, book club book number one. Two. What was the other book club? <laughs> Two. Um, yes, we did um, Feelings or Facts by Yvonne Rayner. Oh, okay. So I number know. two. <laughs> Who read that book? Me and Russell. Oh, I, did I miss that episode? Well, it was when it was just me. It was when I was holding down the fort for 50 episodes. Yeah, I maybe I did listen to it. Was it's it okay. like this? Um, yes, <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, so maybe that's why I don't remember it. Yeah, but, but we, I think we did get to it a little bit quicker well, after finishing the book. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, if, um, if anyone out there has a recommendation for a book that they would like for the next book, um, please, we're happy please. to be a book. I, um, we're taking applications. Yeah, maybe we'll read my... Well, I'm not, I won't say anything out loud. Okay. Why? Say it, say it. Well, no, we I was don't have to have secrets. My, my friend Ethan just just published a book called Group Works, which is about 
um, group structures in in collaborative the collaborative nature of art making wow. and group group structures Great. in performance. And I think it's probably, you know, largely very academic, but maybe, mm. maybe that'd be interesting mm. for us. Okay. Yeah. Um, send me something about it. Wait, what'd you say? I said, send me something about it. Oh, <laughs> okay. I took my earphones out for one second and then. Oh, I you left. You left. It's over. Okay. <laughs> well, enjoy. And thank you, Russell, for joining us on this podcast. Uh, always brilliant, uh, brilliant, always brilliant. A bright presence, we'll say. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy. We'll see you next week. Uh, we're gonna listen to this book club number two, Mr. B. Mr. B. Hello. Hi. So. You're not saying anymore? No, do you want to sing? No. We never sing anymore. That's okay. Jeremy does play like a recorded old version with Jack and oh, I. That's nice. Anyways. I'm worried my phone's going to make a noise while I'm going to play them songs. Yeah. So it's Russell Jansen back for... Why do you have so many copies of this book? Oh, I need one. Okay. It looked like you pulled it from a stack of its... Oh, no. Russell Jansen's back. How many times do you think you've been on? Four? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. I don't know that anyone's been on that much besides me and Jeremy and, and Jack. Jack. Una. Una's on for the first time. <laughs> Say hi, Una. Russell now has a dog. This is a new development since Russell was last on. And um, we're talking about today, as promised, for about three or four months. Um, Mr. B. Uh-oh. He, Jennifer Hammond's. Um, epic biography of George Balanchine. It really starts at the beginning and goes to the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we both read all of it. Yeah. And I didn't read all the notes. Not didn't read one. <laughs> and um, it's been so long since we actually finished it and tried to coordinate a meeting to do this that neither of us remember anything. But I remember the feeling. <laughs> Yeah. And that matters. <laughs> I feel like that's how like all Balanchine dancers talk about the ballets. They I remember, remember the, the feeling. feeling. <laughs> wow. Well, dance is a feeling at the end of the day. So I think unlike the way in which we discussed the Yvonne Rayner autobiography, this one's going to be more of a, a, a sense memory of what this book was. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that one we just went through and picked out thing passages we yeah liked. we just we just <laughs> sat silently and then found things and just, read quotes which may be what this turns into as well but all this to say in general the book is an overview of oh i'm a, george balanchine's life say what else it is i mean it's a re- it's really pretty masterful book i thought and I think I kind of went into it not wanting to like it very much because I... Same. For, like, various reasons. But I think I always have a hard time... You know, I'm, like, very protective over New York City ballet, over ballet in general. And I have, mm. have a hard hard time, like, reading things about ballet and about Balanchine and about things that I love. Yeah, I just have a hard... You know, I want 
I want it to like capture exactly what I want, what my my experience of it. You know? Oh, interesting. But I, I thought, that, but I and so I went into it with like my hackles up a little bit because ha- of that. Hackles, you know, like the hackles of like a it's like a shoulders hackles, like your no, like a, a creature's hackles are up, right? I didn't know that. No. I'm learning hackles. But I, but I like. Um, I went into it less hackled, perhaps, but. <laughs> Um, I was dubious in a way of, I am occasionally, when, when someone's so devoted to a figure from the past, I'm kind of like, why? Right. But, and in that way, I thought it was going to be more of a kind of, um, reverie or like some kind of like in praise of George Balanchine thing. But it is in fact just like an incredibly thorough historical yeah. Recounting, and I had I had like read that excerpt in the New Yorker about the Russia trip. about the Russia trip, which I think is one of the best parts of the book. Fascinating. It's like really, yeah, just the way that she situates his life historically in the context of what was happening in like the Cold War and Russia and the United States is really it's really amazing, and in and like culturally in ways that I was like far beyond my under comprehension, like all the. Mm the figures in Russian Mm. arts and literature that I just didn't know, you know, and like philosophers, all these references that I really didn't know. Well, the Russian revolution is like the, the kind of first major historical event that has an enormous impact on his life because he was living there at the time and in the ballet school. Yeah. And excuse me, excuse me, please. I had already, had some experience reading about the Russian Revolution because of Nijinska. Oh, right, because you read done. that. Right. Well, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, and she's slightly older, cool. but yeah. um, the... I don't know why I keep talking. Should I be worried? I don't know. Do you want to stop it? And no, hear? I don't know. I think it should be fine. <laughs> okay. The iPhone's doing a weird thing. Yeah. Anyways... <laughs> So, yes, at the beginning of the book, suddenly it's this, like, family tree of information leading up to his birth. And mm-hmm. I found that very tedious. I thought, well, I... I yeah, the beginning of the book, I was slow to right. read. I was like, yeah. I, these names are not familiar to my mouth. And, like, I also... Yeah. I just, can we just get to born? Right. You know, born. But I guess having a little bit of build-up to that is... Is good. Sure. Yeah. Um... So then he's born and his family life has some ups and downs because of financial, they're, they're kind of, the way they're situated into this like very caste-like system in mm-hmm. Russian culture. And at times they're very rich and at times they're not very rich. But he does end up getting to go to the... And isn't he also, isn't there something like he's also not his father's son officially or something? I cannot that? recall that, but... His family does, his mother does win the lottery at some point. And so for a period of time, they're like upper class citizens. And then the the deadbeat dad, um, Melaton, does end up kind of squandering the money and leaves them all living in their country house in Finland and where they ended up taking Legitimate. taking permanent residence. Oh, R- Russell's doing some research. Oh, well, it's right on the first page. But that he was illegitimate. Yeah. Illegitimate. So the parents weren't married when he was born. His mother's first illegitimate son. Yeah. Yeah. His Gorgeous. father was absent. 
We love that. We're just going to start from the beginning. We're just going to read the whole book. Why don't we read it? This podcast is going to be approximately a thousand hours. So, um, okay. So we move through his childhood. We get into, well, already we're starting to contextualize like his relationship to money. To money, to ballet, to, to women, women, to yes. family, to and country. It was, it was interesting because there was all of this like history and facts in his young adulthood, what during his time in the ballet school, et cetera, where it really started to feel like he's gay. I just kept thinking, so he's gay. You've said that before, too. I have. Yeah. And so I, I, I brought this thought with me into the beginning of this book because his sexuality always felt kind of questionable to me in the way that he sort of moved through wives, but without ever... Mm. They all seemed kind of like sexually dissatisfied. I'm I'm projecting, but I, but it just never felt like it felt like he was infatuated with women, but perhaps not having like gratifying sexual relationships with them. I do feel like there's like I didn't really think about this while I was reading it, but hearing you say that, I feel like there's this type of like creative that he really that I now like. I'm like, oh, he's like this person or this person, you know? What person? <laughs> Russell doesn't know. No examples. No, I have them. Um, but you're not going to say them. No, because you're polite. <laughs> but it, it's not. It's not like a criticism. I just think it is like a. It is this kind of like sexuality complicated by one's relationship to art, or made better through one's relationship to art. But like it's a complicated oh. sex life, or right, or feelings around sex. As I, as the book kind of wrapped up, I thought, I don't, I didn't get any gay vibes <laughs> at, by the end. What with the, with those poems that he wrote to Tana Clark? The crazy poems, all his like dirty, perverse, um, musings in all the, you know, the way in which he, his, his humor, I found to be really straight. Yeah. But kind of queer. Do you know what I mean? Like he was perverse, which was fun to see. But he also, mm. like, he didn't seem to have any desire toward men. No. no. And you don't hear about it from any of, like, the young dancers that he cultivated and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I, I liked... Uh, let's just skip to the end. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> no, no. Okay, wait. So let's kind of, like, try to remember what we can. He's at the ballet school. The revolution oh. hits. Are He's, we doing, like, a recap? Quickly. Okay. He's eating rats. Right. Then uh, he really almost died quite a few times in his life. His health was poor. Yeah, poor health. Yeah. So then um, he's now working for the kind of very state-run ballet in what is like the beginnings of the Soviet Union. But he kind of was doing work with other young people, right? And and actually, art in revolutionary Russia was this like incredibly productive period of time, and he was super inspired by the various thinkers and artists of mm-hmm. that moment, which like think propelled Balanchine towards a life of curiosity and experimentation. And I feel like Jennifer Holmans did a really excellent job of like picking out people who he would have looked to and drawing those people throughout, like bringing those people with him throughout his life. Yeah. Which I, you know, I'm sure if I was more familiar with that work would have been illuminating in a different way, but I did, I did appreciate how much of the book was spent on like, 
her recognizing his influences and where he borrowed things from or where he's yeah. where he would have seen this idea that we really associate with him both like she does that with some of the like the black artists that he worked with and then also these mm-hmm. russian thinkers and makers right i think that part ends up being really important um it's the section of the book shortly after he's moved to america um, and Lincoln has brought him over that he finds himself in all these like artistic collaborative situations with black dance artists like Catherine Dunham. And mm. um, I think it's important to contextualize that because there is a lot of not necessarily misunderstanding, but a lot of like um, questions around like, is it OK that Balanchine appropriated these various styles into his own mm. choreography? And like, what does that mean? And what does, like, then the Balanchine universe owe back to, like, the universe of Black American dance vernaculars? It's hard to say. Yeah. But it is clear that he was, like, very personally involved in the kind of... in processes, like, that were meaningful to to the, the people involved. Yeah. I did think that was... Sorry, this is going away from the recap. I love is that. that. Okay? Oh. I did think that that was interesting how I don't really read many biographies so I don't really know if this is what a biography you know I was surprised like by how little I kept waiting for like apologies almost Mm. but I felt like it was very much like this is the time that he was living in and this is how he was a product of his time and how he was also sometimes existed kind of outside of his time or ahead of his time well, it's, it, Jennifer did a great job, you know, not being an apologist for Balanchine, but actually, like, very clearly laying out the ways in which he failed and and helping us to understand why. I think she did a, a really good job with that to do with his relationship to women. Mm-hmm. I've, like, I feel like they're, yeah. I think that the, this book was not, like, a book about race, but I think that there's, like, elements of race and... That were kind of like, yeah, you know, I think that's like, I mean, it has been the topic of other books and other essays. Right. And I I recently was listening to a talk with Teresa Ruth Howard around, you know, the the role that Arthur Mitchell played in the New York City Ballet. Was this wasn't in the Room of Mirrors podcast or is this something else? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Is that right? I don't know. I mean, she does talk about it. Yeah, Room of Mirrors. Yeah. And I found that really interesting, and I thought, like, this, both this book and that interview are interesting companions. Oh, totally. Yeah, I listened to that podcast right after I finished the book. Yeah. Um, anyways, what, what, there's, I have even spoke of it on the podcast, this letter that, that Balanchine wrote to try to get money to or I think Lincoln actually wrote it to someone someone with money and someone named Chick Austin. Yeah, <clears throat> I had this earlier earlier this year last year at Nutcracker we did like a a event for something mm-hmm. at the theater that in Connecticut uh-huh. where Chick Austin was like. This is where, like, Serenade... Well, Serenade premiered on a lawn, right? Yeah, but it was, like, they... This this person at this right. organization, Anthem. Chick Austin, 
fundraise money to bring Balanchine to Connecticut, and then Balanchine came to Connecticut and was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, he was tired. <laughs> he was like, I've been through a revolution. I'm no, 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 he was like, I'm not living in Connecticut. Oh, sure. <laughs> he was like, I have my limits. Um, but, oh yeah, so ba- this letter had been written, and I'd heard about it via the New York City Ballet podcast and Silas Farley talking about how Balanchine had proposed making um, a company or a school that had equal numbers of, right. of white and black students. The letter does, however, go on in a way that Teresa Ruth Howard contextualized that I didn't know about, that it's right. like a bit more unsavory than that. Yeah, it's, that was interesting. Where he was like wanting to make dances where like the black dancers' heads would be covered and stuff. Do you remember right. this? Right, yes, I do remember that. Um, We're wearing masks. Right, wearing masks. right, right. <clears throat> so it wasn't quite so egalitarian as like one might assume from the first part of that Well, letter. it was definitely like a someone who believed that black dancers should do certain things and white dancers should do certain right. things. Right, exactly. Um, so Or at, at that moment, at least. Right. So then what happens? So then he gets passage to move to Western Europe when everything's really going to shit in Russia. And one of his like travel companions mysteriously dies right before they travel. He's she, also been married already at this point. Is he? Yes, he's married to someone. His first muse. First wife. First wife. First muse. First. And these two couples are going to travel to Western Europe, and um, the one, the other woman. Yeah, she like drowns in a. She get she drowns. Yeah. But Balanchine and his companions seem to believe that. Because she was in with the wrong people. Right. Yeah. It was an orchestrated murder. So, anyways, they do travel. <clears throat> I don't remember where they end up. Where they land first? Maybe Berlin. Where are we? Nobody knows. That sounds right. Sure. (laughs) But there's a period of time where, like, Balanchine gets influenced by, like, the Weimar scene. Mm -hmm. And he's also... we Honestly, we literally cannot recount this book for you. Yeah, yeah. I think what's important... What's, like... I mean, we we can keep going if you want to keep going with you the recap. You try, recapping. you go now. No, no, no. I don't. I don't remember. I don't want to do, do it. Just do what you can. No, what I what I was gonna say is what I think was what I thought. What I thought was interesting was like I kept waiting the whole time. There would. I mean, certainly she like focuses on certain ballets in a very serious way, like Serenade, Barocco, Agon. They all oh, have yeah, like yeah, yeah. sections. Yeah, I think Prodigal Son has like a little bit, but I I kept like waiting for like more about the ballets, and then I was like, well, this is about his life. Yeah. It's like ball- yeah. these each of these ballets because he made so many were such a small part of his life and like I was I was kind of amazed by how long which is dumb to say because like a lot of the things that I know about him are from when he was like middle to older age. Right. But I was surprised by how long it took to get there and how much life he lived and how many kind of like stops and starts in different places before he even got to New York and how even when he got to New York that wasn't as smooth sailing is kind of like the the glossed over history. Yeah, I mean, he really, it was a lot of kind of just doing all kinds of stuff. It wasn't like Balanchine had the New York City Ballet for 50 years. Or even like, I'm going to make, I have this project of making dances for my life. Like, it, you know, he had, it was like that, what I thought was, I guess not surprising, but like really well done was that it wasn't like, here is the portrait of the dance maker. It was like, here is a portrait of a man who made dances and lived this very complicated life. But she doesn't, there is a lot of attention paid to some of his important work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that feels really interesting because then you already have all this context of why he made it mm-hmm. and like what information he had already kind of received that allowed for him to make yeah. these dances. And also you, through her writing, you get to really feel how radical some of these things were mm-hmm. at the moment. And honestly, like I watched you do Agon yesterday. Yeah. And to see it on a program with Fancy Free and Brandenburg, like, even in that situation, you think, this is radical now. Right. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was certainly radical in the context of that program, but yeah. just, like, as a dance, you don't see people making new ballets now that that feel that modern. Is that crazy to say? No. But I, yeah, No. Yeah, the attitude of it is just, like, so enduring in the way that, like, really great paintings don't feel situated in, right. like, well, time. Well, I, I did mark one thing in, like, the ten minutes that I was looking at stuff that I thought was, like, right. Okay, about say this. it. Russell, read us a quote. Okay. I think she's writing about Barocco and then and Jennifer Holman's writes, To dance this way, you have to take everything off. Expression, persona, personality, your very self must go. The mathematical concentration requires pure mind and pure body, no distraction. This is not easily done. How do you take yourself off? How do you escape Mary, Mary Jean? Mary Jean. Mary Jean. To arrive at Mary Jean-ness. Balanchine achieved this in part by pushing his dancers to physical extremes. Yeah, anyway, I thought that was interesting. So I think that is kind of like what... That was a reading how she wrote that I thought was like it I feel like a lot of times people talk about what what Balanchine's dances do in this way where it's like and then the people aren't there the dancers aren't there but it's like he it's like an it's like distilled his dances are about a distillation right and I think that there's some then I think that's that to me seems like what would maybe be the enduring thing is that a lot of not to say that Robin's dances have not endured, but in a different, you know, there's like an essence of something that you're meant to be expressing in a Robin's dance or like in one of Justin's dances. I think there's like, you know, recently in Copeland, it was like there was an essence that we were meant to capture Mm. that existed separately from from us in a way and I feel right. like Balanchine's like, dances the theater, essence yeah. is more like there's like kind right. of like acting element right and so I wonder if that's part of what makes Agon look radical is that it's yeah I don't know I know I, I Balanchine was certainly a product of like the various periods of time he was working in and I think like mid 20th century music visual art theater and dance makers were really stepping away from um, very explicit depictions of like the human experience and finding ways to like communicate through abstraction and like Balanchine I mean Balanchine's not the only person who was doing this oh, no, but, yeah. but the kind of visual language with which Balanchine did that is so uh, hate to say it black and white (laughs) but it really it really is kind of just like iconically exactly what it is Hmm. it's really like i'm not participating in 
in like conventional storytelling now. Hmm. And you you will know that even from glancing at this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. But I guess all but also like you know, I thought about this a lot doing Agon again this season. There is like there is still something that you're like participating in when you're doing it that is specific. Is it energetic or is it like is there a story? I you know, I like thought about this a lot with Agon in particular. You wrote, you wrote a thing. Yeah, I wrote a thing and it's like it's the part that I was like have been so excited to do and I've never felt super great in and, like Miriam and I the season spent like a lot of time talking about it and like figuring out what to do and we tried a lot of different things that kind of like ultimately just like didn't work and then we wound up back at, at what I had like and also talking to Wendy and having yeah, yeah, yeah. feedback from other yeah. people and I think yeah it's true having Wendy in the studio for a rehearsal it was like a reminder of what the physicality of the dance was that kind of did actually bring it back to something much closer to what I thought that I was going to try and move away from. Mm. Yeah. And? And it was really fun. Oh, I love that. But it, was, but it was definitely not what I... It was not, like, the thing that I had at one moment wanted it to be. Mm. You know, it didn't really have room for that in the way that I right. thought it maybe did. Right. The The steps themselves kind of, like point you in a direction that's not it's not completely your choice right it's like there's moments when you're meant to not move and then you move suddenly and that not moving and then moving suddenly creates a very specific specific dynamic dynamic between you and your partner between you and like between your bodies and everything and wow yeah wow i wonder what you'd say if you wrote that article now (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't think I'd say anything that differently. That would be an interesting addendum to the story. I also think that part of that, like, at that moment, what I was writing was not so much about, like, the steps as it was about the moment in the company, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, what we were, like, moving away from and how to move away from that. Cultural stuff. Cultural stuff, like, just, like, a way it, you know, like, a very specific energy... Like I, part of it was that I thought the people were going to want to see the energy that had been in that role for a long time, you know? Right. Okay. Back to George. Back to George. So George spends a lot of time in Western Europe making dances and really like (laughs) honing his craft and working for Diaghilev and the Ballet Russe and working alongside Fokine and Massine and Nijinska. Petty rivalries. Many petty rivalries. Balanchine situated in this sort of like unusual place of being like not a lover of Diaghilev, unlike right. the many other male, mm-hmm. not many, there were only five choreographers, but yeah. Um, but Balanchine really like harnessing or like honing this skill alongside all of these like now incredibly famous musicians and visual artists and choreographers. But, you know, it's always so crazy to hear about these dances and not be able to see them. Most, a lot of them. Mm. These like very famous works that are so in, integral in the mm-hmm. development of this form. But we only have that like through the lens of what like Balanchine and Najinska kind of ended up doing. We don't have, we have a, some Fokine and others, but like, and I guess they've reconstructed Rite of Spring and 
So I'm wrong. <laughs> so, I don't know what I'm talking about. So all the Valley Roost dances still exist. <laughs> um, okay, so Europe's happening. He's dealing with Diaghilev. Diaghilev dies. He continues working, I think, with Valley Roost Monte Carlo. Correct me if I'm wrong. Russell has no idea. Russell is blushing. I I would, like, read this before bed, so I, like, I retained some things, but... Right. I think Ballet Roost and Monte Carlo years were the time when he started working with, like, the baby ballerinas. Oh. And that's where things get a little dicey in terms of, like, balancing sexual relationship with underage women. Um, Which seems to have stayed with him through his whole (laughs) life. Couldn't get away from it. Mm -hmm. Um... But anyways, he was also very sickly and spent a period of time in Switzerland. Where he'd go back to a lot. Yeah, yeah. he'd go back to breathe the mountain air. And um, also, he got, he took some, I could have dreamed this. Did he take a medicine at some point that really fucked him up? That turned out to be like, Russell doesn't remember. I don't remember it at this point in his life. Okay. Anyways, let's skip to the part where he goes to America. Oh, I will. Like, going to America, I loved reading about Lincoln. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like there was that period a few years ago. There were all those exhibits, oh, like mm-hmm. Nick Mouse's exhibit mm-hmm. and then the Lincoln Kirsten exhibit at, at MoMA. MoMA. Mm-hmm. There's all these things that where I learned all this stuff about Lincoln and his place in the art world. And it's, like, so fun to think about all these queer men and Balanchine. Like doing all this all this like creativity and for people who are it's like it almost feels unfair to to like now see these photos or hear about these stories of people like being in their 20s like really just like trying things out and now they're like dead no no no. and now they're like huge and and then then it's like and then they became (laughs) wildly successful but these things that they did that like not unfair but you know it's like they're I feel like you read, there's this like youthful energy mm-hmm. and it's so fun to read about these like major figures doing these kind of silly, like young person things oh. that were also beautiful and wonderful, but are also. That'll be us. Will it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, that I mean, so at any rate, it's the thirties now. Balanchine is being shipped over to America by Lincoln who basically has decided that Balanchine is the cat's meow and he wants to support this endeavor by bringing it to America and getting support from his rich art friends to build an infrastructure inside of which that Balanchine can work inside of. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't actually happen very quickly. No, surprisingly not quickly. Right, because everyone's always like, and then he moved to America, he made Serenade in the New York City Ballet. (laughs) Which is not right. That's not correct. Because basically there's 10 to 15 years in there where he is doing all kinds of stuff and he's going to Hollywood and he's doing Broadway and he's doing... And And ballet is just like... Or he's not even with the ballet. Like right. the ballet the continues and he's not there. New York City Ballet is just like not Well, it's not shape. New York City Ballet. It's yeah. Not, right. There's like Ballet Caravan. Yeah. And, you know, the other kind of American dance makers, they're also trying to like engage in a similar endeavor. And there's uh, Anthony Tudor and Agnes DeMille. And there's, um, who else? Who else? Martha Russell? Graham. Martha Graham. 
doing a different thing. Yeah, but another dance person. They're all competing for the same fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was dark. <laughs> so that's skipping a little bit later. Oh, but at a certain point, there were these giant grants being given out by the Mellon Foundation, I want to say. I, that could be a modern day thing. I don't know. <laughs> but <clears throat> the U.S. government at a certain point in time started giving out money to... <clears throat> Um, cultivate the arts in America, basically in competition with Soviet Union and like other, you know, at this point, the arts in America weren't so robust. Thank you. Or not in a way that they, that the government felt proud of. (laughs) Right. And so the government was then deciding via, I'm sure the influence of Lincoln and his very influential friends, where the money should go. Yeah. And a disproportionate amount of the money very oh, frequently a huge amount. would go to Balanchine and the development of the New York City Ballet and everybody else would it was just like Exciting. good luck with your project. Yeah. Um which is why we are why these structures are how they are now. Yeah, totally. Because it is very hard to deviate from such like a deeply ingrained path. Mm-hmm. So um these financial hierarchies were set up a long time ago Mm -hmm. and we haven't, they haven't changed. Well, I've changed a little bit, but now there's like other people are. Well, now there's just way less money from the government for anybody at all. But because the New York city ballet was so supported in its creation, they have a huge endowment and um, that just doesn't exist for other arts organizations, including American ballet theater, which is, that's true. Yeah. Um, at any rate. So that was interesting. I do like how Jennifer touched on the economy of how mm-hmm. these things came to be and spoke about those people who were being disregarded. Yeah. I thought she did a great job of kind of like making, you know, I, um, you know, Lincoln and Balanchine had such an influent or important relationship, but it didn't seem like actually had like a, a, their interpersonal relationship was less... I thought they were going to be like best friends or something, but they, it was very right. much like they existed alongside each other, which I think is kind of what she says right. at one point. Oh, amazingly, but. I found a highlight about this. So this lays out the finances. As for New York City Ballet, they received $2,500,000. We'd hoped Balanchine's official announcement read that someday a miracle would happen, and here it is. We can breathe. Six smaller companies around the country received lesser funding, too, four of them run by Balanchine acolytes. Lucia Chase's American Ballet Theater received nothing, and modern dance was entirely ignored. So everything went to either Balanchine or the things that he right. was vouching for. Right. Which is really thanks to Lincoln. Yeah. That's crazy and gross. Anyways, I'm glad you've benefited from it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like having all these, you know, nice thoughts about like, I can't believe I get to do this. And now I'm like, well. <laughs> right. Here's more money it's, stuff. It's so important. You know, the history feels so important because it's had a lot of money. Wow, this too. is so dark. Um, by the time Nelson had arranged for New York State for New York State to help fund the so-named State Theater by linking it to the 1964 World's Fair, Rockefeller put in $15 million in New York State funds and the city and private donors each put in to help meet the total project cost of $19,300,000. Meanwhile, Lincoln was busy winnowing 
the competition, it was Ford all over again. Oh, it was the Ford Foundation that did this initial money give. Martha Graham and Lucia Chase wanted in. This is now when they were building State Theater. But he campaigned effectively against them, using his contacts and friendship with the Rockefellers to make the case that the future lay with Balanchine. He'd been making the case for most of his life and was finally taking hold in the inner sanctums of boardroom power. So, wow. Yeah. Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln was like, women get nothing, absolutely zero dollars, and Balanchine gets everything. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that <laughs> happened. Um, and that kind of forced, in a way, Balanchine to, like, settle in to just being the ballet master in chief of this, like, now developing school and company where he could cultivate all of these now very famous personalities careers and it was also i think that jennifer did a great job giving us everyone's backstories oh my god i did think that was wild like there you know i've no at this point i've met a fair amount of the people yeah or at, at some point and like to read these people's lives distilled to like three lines sometimes was like truly brutal like I mean some of it I was like oh no I hope they never read this and then others but I did this is kind of an aside but I was amazed by how many dancers were Jewish oh yeah well not amazed but I was surprised I didn't realize that many dancers were Jewish it was interesting and yes brutal at times and I I guess the one one of the things a few things I take issue with in this book is the way that Jennifer sometimes engages in language around the body that feels old-fashioned in relationship to ballet. You mean kind like of, body type? Or... Yeah, reinforcing these oh. ideas of of body as truth in ballet. Mm. And the way that she like described Melissa Hayden. Do you remember this? Yeah. I was surprised that there wasn't more about Melissa Hayden and Patty McBride too. But it was just something like incredibly insulting about Melissa's the shape of her body. Yeah, Melissa's like big rib cage and mm. it, it just pointed to like continually reinforcing these ideas that maybe we don't need to continue saying right. about known... like what the ballet body should be. Right. I'm one maybe this is an unfair question to ask, but what would you how would you like how would how what would be a better way to present it and i'm not saying that there isn't one or it shouldn't be presented differently but i'm wondering what you would think interesting because i feel like you one thing that i like in watching ballet with you or watching all sorts of dance with you i've definitely like been made aware of these ways like what you're talking about that ballet like continually reinforces certain body ideas yeah. that I would that I wouldn't have noticed otherwise, and I'm and I'm. Well, I just think there's like it's not about denying denying how various attributes kind of lend themselves to the ballet vernacular, but it's about language and like yeah. how do we say this in a way <clears throat> that's not an indictment. Right, you know, like, and you felt like the... I, I'm curious. I wonder if we could find that. Oh, boy. I'm sure I made a... Um... I did kind of like the like Jacques commentary throughout all of it. 
Well, yeah, Jacques was a really valuable source. Well, I think she must have had his diaries or something. Here, Melissa Millie Hayden, page 293. Christine Redpath has these, like, really great stories about Melissa Hayden and, like, her, the contrast between, like, her beautiful dancing on stage and, like, the really crass things she'd say off stage. Oh, here we go. She was an international star, moody and dramatic and whip smart. She had dark features, short, skinny legs, a huge rib cage, and commanding shoulders. Balanchine didn't love her theatricality or her star quality. There's a different way of saying it. And, and, and actually knowing what Melissa Hayden's body looks like, that's not an apt description of her. She had dark features, short, skinny legs, and huge rib cage. Russell's going to think about it. Yeah, no... Yeah, that's probably not how I would describe her. No. I would I would point toward perhaps like some of the like nicer like she had articulate feet and powerful legs or something, but right. short skinny legs. I mean, what are we talking about here? Right. Huge rib cage? I beg to differ. Like <laughs> I know what a huge rib cage looks like. Anyways. So anyways, not to disparage Jennifer's excellent book, but I did think that was kind of flippant. There are there the way that people are kind of like encapsulated quickly. I did find like, I mean, not totally understandable for the project of writing about one person's life who had so many so many interactions interactions and so many vastly important influential people. Yeah, but, or you know, so many big players that need to be mentioned. I guess yeah. is maybe the better way to say it. But, um. I like the way that sexuality is kind of matter of fact with relationship to these descriptions of people who are kind of common names to us in the ballet world. And I liked right. how um, I thought the characterization of Suzanne Farrell was really important in terms of like how how people engage with her relationship to Balanchine. Mm. And it was important to hear that not only was he kind of well she 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 does a really good job of extrapolating and characterizing how he abused her emotionally but also how Suzanne kind of um like the moments when she was complicit in the right she was she engaged in this kind of favoritism in a way that is like is really um it's like it's negative like she sheds a negative light on the way in which Suzanne participated in the New York City ballet mm. socially and that like perhaps it is because like Balanchine always treated her like such a star but that she was like so um she was not a team player to say the least in in this kind of characterization right um which you don't really understand when you get when you hear it from Suzanne's point of view in her book and in her documentary, because mm. you're not really hearing like what other people felt about what it about, meant for right. someone like Suzanne to be in the company. Right. You just heard about Suzanne being like, and then he hurt my feelings and he kicked me out of the company. Right. But in this book, you're really understanding that like all of these other dancers also existed. Right. And they were like, this is insane. Yeah. I thought a lot about like how about Karen reading this book because she mm-hmm. was like a big part of the early part of my career. Right. Or the early part of my career when I started doing bigger parts, I guess. But but also like I didn't know, we didn't, like we didn't know anything about in the company, no one, or I didn't, certainly didn't know about her relationship with Balanchine at all. That was like, Karen was very much not a part of the lore 
of New York City right. ballet. Like even getting into the company and seeing how big of a part she was of all these ballets and her relationship to all these ballets, her story was never a part of the lore of the company. Right. And um, it, 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 I think it's because of timing and that like she came to exist in the company after Suzanne. And so there's just this like enormous shadow. Well, I, but I just, I more just mean like Karen stayed in the company and yeah. she was not lore in the no. way that... Well, Suzanne's story is is so dramatic that it right. it does kind of eclipse so much of what came after. And a lot of these famous ballerinas and important ballerinas to Balanchine who existed in the wake of like Suzanne's departure, they they he made very important things on them. But right. but and and apparently Karen and Balanchine were lovers and like in many ways, like her story mirrors a bit of like what was going on with Suzanne, but it was much more mature. Like Karen wasn't a child. Right. So it doesn't have that element of like salaciousness that the Suzanne drama had. Mm. I thought that whole, I thought that everything with Karen was really interesting. So did I. I think like of all the women we hear about in his life, like their love feels the most real. Like the, it like seemed to have the most care. Well, it's, it seems like she was maybe, like, allowed to engage with him differently. Yeah. I mean, who you know, who's, who, who's really to say, but, like, that there is a, there is an aspect of, it's, or the impression that I got from this book was that there's an aspect of his life and his references and his, what he lo- liked about living that Karen understood and was able to participate in with right. him. Right. It was like the only, well, that may not be true, but it was the only kind of like later relationship he had where the imbalance of power wasn't just like so unbelievably profound. And, and though she filled the position of muse in a way, she could kind of keep up with him intellectually. Well, it felt like, like she, she was aware, she was also using... Not right. that they were using one another, they I were. Don't, but I they. Mean, but she was also like had something that she wanted to get out yeah. of it. That was she saw an opportunity. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't want to like characterize it as like manipulative. Um, I mean, I don't. You know, I'm, I. I. I guess what I mean is like. You I know, the Karen that I knew was like so enamored with ballet and with dancing and just yeah. like needed to dance. I mean, she. You know, she did rehearsals with us would just like do them full out mm. until she left and like I don't, there was this like need to dance that I feel like but I also don't feel like trying to get what you want has to be characterized as right. like that's manipulation true. that's true yeah and she wanted to dance great things she admired Balanchine and you know she and he like found a way to do that and then they also had clearly an intense like personal connection yeah, and at that point, he really needed that. He needed, he needed to be care. You know, he needed mm. care from somebody. Mm. And I'm, you know, he had those, his inner circle of people who were there to to do. I don't know. Now I'm like, why are we talking about this? I know we really went off the rails. Um, How long has it been? It's, we're done. It's been <laughs> the end. It's been forty seven. Great minutes. book. You should read it. <laughs> no, okay, it's a really long book, and it's definitely worth reading. It is worth reading. There are parts where you'd be like, why am I reading this? And then like, unless you really like. Russian philosophy or something. You're going to love it if that's the case. <laughs> but it does end up... Re- it becomes a page-turner at a certain point. 
I'm, if you don't know about ballet, I, I can't speak to that. I mean, it might be impossible to read with all the language, but... Um, I do think she, like, writes very beautifully about what dances look like and in this, like, way that's not overly emotional. Like, I feel like there's a lot of writing about dance that's, like, and it felt like... Right. Blah, blah, I don't know. I'm, the one... There's one dance I wish she had spent more time on, which is Liebes Leader, but... That one doesn't get. No, I don't even remember what she said about it. Not much or nothing. Mm. Like, certain dances get whole sections, but not Leibniz. Leibniz didn't have stuff about like the their their souls. The second half is their souls. She talks more about David's Bundertanza than about Leibniz Leader. Yeah, I mean, I can't recall the mention of Leibniz Leader, but. Mm. Um, but I maybe Leibniz Leader didn't play into his like personal life in the same right, way. Right, right, right. That's true. I liked hearing all about the dances he made that week don't see anymore yeah i know i was like i hope someone makes yeah. all these dances like now. some of the weirdo dances from like the 60s yeah there is stuff. one especially weird one that i was like oh someone should make this dance yeah. i feel like i've read an edwin denby review of a balancing dance mm-hmm. where i'm like this is crazy someone should read this and then make up their own version watching brandenburg yesterday i was like oh this is made by someone who's in like the business of making dances right and I feel like Balanchine's whole life was the business of making dances. Mm. And sometimes they they served the purpose of entertaining an audience frivolously, and sometimes they were more serious. Right. And, and anyways, yes, he made a lot of dances. Some of them we don't see anymore, but it'd be great to get a sense of them. And yeah. I think her book does do that for us. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, anyways, this is an inc- incredibly researched book. It's has, you think... It's almost embarrassing that we're trying to talk about no, it. No, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's fully embarrassing. If You're going to think you have about 400 pages left of the book and you'll be done because there's so many endnotes. That's true. Um, it is long, though. It's not the kind of book you want to carry on the train. If I really like, I mean, and I, I don't mean that like I fell asleep reading it. Like I would read it at night and it was like a really, I love Oh, yeah finishing my day reading this book me too yeah it took months but i did it yeah <laughs> I, you somehow took longer than me but you read other books in the meanwhile i did i also like didn't really try to read it for a while yeah um we did it that was that, that was it bad <laughs> sorry book club people was it no we did fine it was fine you said nice things i feel like we did say nice things to each other while we were reading it that we, we did yeah did like we? you told me about when you read about agon how you felt like it like mirrored the rhythm of the dance somehow. Oh wow! Okay, what else did I say? <laughs> I know you just said you just said the way she wrote about Agon. It was like I could hear it. You could hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good job, Jennifer. <laughs> this took years. This is a, oh yeah. This is a long, long ass book. Yeah, I, I, um, I kept like looking forward to reading about people, and reading about dances. I mean, I have just like. I t- had so many highlighted sequences, but I, I could, I, reading them, I don't even know what they're about anymore. There's so many. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Tanacle. Tanacle. She is a huge part of this book. <laughs> huge. <laughs> really, because like she bridges the gap between Balanchine and Robbins, and, and she's with him for so long. Anyways, read the book. <laughs> There's that great documentary about her. 
It's a great documentary about her. Lots. I think there's gonna be a book about her. Lots of wonderful anecdotes about her and like the letters she and he shared. And, and that she and Robbins. Yeah, and you get to kind of like hear their voices in a way because. Yeah, that I do the like. Yeah, one more thing to say I feel like is that this this like the characterization of Balanchine in this book was vastly different from what I had understood him to be when I was like being introduced to him. Mm. And that that I thought that and I was like kind of like bracing myself to be to read like this idealized version of a person. And it and it's not. It really wasn't. It was very much like this is this was a man, a flawed man, a flawed man who who made really incredible, who did really incredible things with his life. Yeah, and maybe that's what biographies are. I just don't read read them much. But yeah, and this is not something that I like learned from this book. But but I think I learned this more from learning about Nijinska, which is that Balanchine was was allowed to do great things with his life. Right, he did suffer in ways that like the world collapsed around him, but then he was held up by people who allowed him to do great things in the, in, in the way that like many people are, are not. not. There's a really great, the most recent Bob's Burgers episode. It's okay. kind of about this. It's about Balanchine. <laughs> no, it's about <laughs> Amelia Earhart, but it is kind of about like who's allowed to be great, fe- fail and succeed. Yeah. Anyways, great book had a great time probably much better time talking with you about it on the phone than this <laughs> this was a struggle so i hope you all read the book and if you didn't we didn't give anything away quite honestly <laughs> we probably gave a lot of like misleading information <laughs> incorrect information to be honest um but have a wonderful life anything what would you like people to do with their summer words of wisdom oh. Um, no, oh, I don't know. Eat good food. Yeah. Go jump in a body, Tell him what body you of just water. Made. Tell him to try it. Oh, I made a like fake Spanish tortilla with potato chips. That, I, that was a recipe in the New York Times. It was yeah. really good and very quick. Yeah, I would recommend throwing some fat in there. Some, some yeah, I didn't mind it so much, but Russell is a cow. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, we're gonna we're gonna prepare dessert now. Yeah. Cake. Which is a, another Claire Patak recipe. Patak? I don't know. Well, could be totally wrong. <laughs> um, and I'll let tell you about it next time. Maybe there should be like a whole year of podcasts where you just like correct every mistake that you made in the course of the um, I'd have to listen. No. <laughs> I've corrected errors in the past, but I there's no point. Yeah. This is not a history podcast. No, no. This is a mistakes podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming on again. Yeah. Wow. I love spending time with you. Always a joy. On the air and off. <laughs> on the air and off. Okay, bye. Bye. We love you. Oh, that was incredible. Wow. I don't know what it sounded like. We learned no, no. so much. I did actually listen to this interview and I enjoyed it. I mean, it, you know, it didn't exactly flow out, but it... This interview?
or book club. <laughs> you know, I can't. Interviews are the same. Interviews it's all are the just, same. It's all the same. I interviews are just talking. It's just talking, and the red lines are going boing, 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 boing. Okay. Well, next week, um, we should be together. I think we'll probably be oh uh, recording together. Oh my god, that's incredible. Maybe from, the, from this house that I'm in. The country. From the country house. Okay, that's beautiful, and I look forward to it, and we loves you, and bye-bye. We loves you. Bye-bye. <laughs>